Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 2. Hello, America. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation. So glad to have you with me today. The phone number is 877-973-7425. If you wish to be on the program, I am delighted to have you. I want to talk about Ron DeSantis, but there's actually a phone call I want to take first. Uh, and because uh, this is a topic that I wanted to address anyway, and I got a caller who's calling in about it. So I'm going to begin this hour of the program by talking to Jim. Welcome to the show, Jim. How are you? Just fine. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. I was telling your screener that I've heard numerous comparisons between Ukraine, Iraq, um, the Mideast Wars, Vietnam. I haven't heard anyone talking about the the connection with Hitler and World War II, his his quest for Lebensraum that eventually won him damn near all of Europe. True. Uh, well, who do you see as the comparison there? I see Putin in comparison to Hitler. Yeah. His, uh, his moves in the Crimea, which we just basically let him walk through. Uh, now that we're pushing back against him, you have to wonder and go back, you know, 70 years almost, and wonder, you know, somebody had the nerve to push back on Hitler, how things, how different things might have been. Yeah. Okay. So I, I, I'm glad you called on this and I, I gotta be honest with you, Jim, I was a little bit hesitant that you were going to, you were going to go in the route of the Ukrainians are the Hitlers and the, uh, the, the Europeans are, cause there's this strain festering on the right of people who claim that, um, we are, we're, we're going to be putting German tanks on the Russian border, like the Nazis and start war. It's going to be us to blame for world war three or some such, which isn't true at all. And I appreciate your phone call on this. Let me, let me talk about this first. I will confess. I will confess to a level of anxiety about sending Abrams tanks to Ukraine. We are not sending Stacey Abrams there. Contrary to rumors, she is not now the president of Ukraine and we're not sending her there. Nope. It's Abrams tanks. Nope. Stop it. Stop it. She's not going. We are sending Abrams tanks to Ukraine and, and here's what you need to know about the Abrams tanks. They're too complicated for the Ukrainians. They're not going to be able to drive them, and it's going to take a year to get them there. But the reason we're sending them is because uh, the German chancellor uh, is weak. Even his own members of his own party are acknowledging his weaknesses. The Polish are ready to send tanks to the Ukrainians. There are voices on the right and the far left that are deeply opposed to us doing this. They claim we are provoking a third world war. What they ignore is that the Russians invaded Ukraine. We are defending Ukraine. Are there problems in Ukraine? Yes. Have we sent them too much money that's unaccounted for? Yes. Uh, do we need maybe an accounting? Yes. Should we walk away from them? No. If you believe we should abandon Ukraine, you are on the side of Vladimir Putin and his propagandists looking at you, Marjorie Taylor Greene. 
If you want to walk away from Ukraine, you are doing Vladimir Putin's bidding. He invaded that country. Ukraine did nothing except have the audacity to exist as an independent country. Why was Belarus not invaded? Because the Belarusian government and dictator is a pawn of Vladimir Putin who has allowed the Russians to come in and control him and control his foreign policy. The Ukrainians did not. Putin took over Crimea and we largely turned a blind eye to him and he ultimately felt emboldened to take Ukraine. If he takes Ukraine, he probably wants to take Moldova. He starts cutting into NATO territory. He starts provoking a war. There is a realignment on the right, an isolationist strain on the right, a strain on the right that believes we should embrace Russia. Let, let me explain to you why some of the people on the right want to embrace Russia. It is a very simple thing to understand. The Russians are anti-woke and anti-gay. And these culture warriors of the right who are anti-woke and anti-gay, like the authoritarian strong hand of people in Eastern Europe, they feel like Western culture has become effeminate, woke, too far progressive and hedonistic, and they want to bring it to an end. And they look at Vladimir Putin, they look at what's-his-name in Hungary, and then they look at all this, they're like, hey, these people don't have the, the cultural problems that we have with the wokes, the transgenders, the gays. We need to side with them. It is all because they fear the culture more than they fear God. Because if you fear the Lord, you don't have to worry about any of this stuff. He's got this. There is a cultural conservative strain that wants to side with the authoritarians because they believe the wokes have degraded the Western culture. And it's no coincidence that these people are the loudest voices against helping the Ukrainians. And they come up with all sorts of excuses, including that somehow the Ukrainians are the aggressors or we are the aggressors. There used to be this blame America first crowd on the left. There's a blame America first crowd on the right these days too. As long as the Democrats reign supreme in Washington, and as long as the wokes are loud voices in corporate America, they'll keep blaming America, and they'll keep siding with people who do not have our interests at heart, and these people do not have our interests at heart. Supporting Ukraine is the right thing to do, and it's the right thing to do because they are a friendly allied nation of ours who were invaded wrongly without justification or provocation by the Russians. And the Ukrainians were not expected to survive three months against the Russians, and they have survived a year. And the worst part of winter is coming, and you're going to have Russian soldiers freezing to death in trenches. And the Ukrainians are going to have U.S. and European arms to beat the Russians. And it is a good thing that we beat the Russians here. We are starting to see the world realign. We're starting to see a more multilateral world. There are theories of hegemony in the world and of superpowers in the world. When the world has one dominant power, that is when the world is most at peace. So you have the Pax Romana. That is the Roman peace. When the Western world was largely controlled by Rome and the borders of the Roman Empire were secured for a very long time, you largely had peace in the West. 
There's the Pax Britannia. When the British Empire was the be-all, end-all of the world, you largely had peace around the world. And twice, twice we have seen the Pax Americana. Twice in world history, we have seen the American government dominant on the world stage, so much so that the whole world had peace and trade. They were the hegemon. We have also seen superpowers. We have seen the British and the French and the British and the Spanish as superpowers. We've seen the United States and the Soviet Union as superpowers. We have been in a world where it seemed to be the United States and China as superpowers, and it is far less stable than when there's one superpower. But it's more stable than where we are right now, which is a multilateral stage, where there are multiple large players on the world stage competing for power, trying to consolidate, trying to become the hegemon. And that's when the world is most unstable. You have the rise of China. You have the United States still on the world stage. You have the European Union coming on strong. You have uh, Iran trying to be a regional power, Turkey as well, all of these things. And India, let's not forget India. It becomes destabilizing. And a lot of these countries are realigning behind China. China. And that's not in our interest. Because of the Biden administration's terrible handling of Saudi Arabia, the Saudis are now beginning to believe they will trade in uh, Chinese currency, not just American currency. For the longest time on planet Earth, the American currency was the default currency and the reserve currency that every nation, including China, used. And if you wanted to buy oil, it was priced in dollars. Because Joe Biden has so screwed up our relationship with the Saudis and insulted them, the Saudis have decided that they're going to flirt with the Chinese and they are going to, for the first time in history, allow the Chinese currency to be used as an equivalent to the American currency for oil trades. That devalues the use of the American currency and incentivizes other countries to ditch the American currencies, the reserve currency, and move to China. Now, lucky for us, the Chinese economy is starting to collapse. The Chinese economy is not very stable. That helps us. But I cannot emphasize to you enough, particularly if you're a partisan Democrat listening to me, thinking, oh, he's just a Republican. He doesn't like Biden. The Biden administration's foreign policy is deeply antagonistic towards the American system. They have elevated and emboldened China and Iran and Turkey and other countries that do not have our backs and are not really our allies. The Biden administration is seemingly asleep at the switch with some of the things China wants to do with our currency and their currency and negotiations in the Middle East and even Central and South America. They seem to have no idea what to do about them. The Chinese are helping the Russians more and more in Ukraine, and so are the Iranians. We have an axis of evil growing on our hands. If you want to undermine all of that, you really do need to stand with Ukraine because the Chinese are looking at a future that is a Russia-China dominant partnership. You undermine Russia in Ukraine, you undermine that partnership and China has to rethink things. It is in our long-term national strategic interest to help Ukraine stop Russia, one, to weaken Putin and avoid a spillover effect into the rest of Europe, and two, to undermine Russia's relationship with China, which is growing very quickly. 
We've got to undermine that relationship in order for us to maintain our strength in the world. And for those of you who say it's no big deal, we should be isolationists, we should go home, you don't understand, you naive fools, how much of the world is premised on trading with America and the very good deals we get, better deals than everyone else. You want to go home, you want to isolate, you want to get off the world stage, you are willing to make it an America last policy while you claim to be an American firster. You are willing for the rest of the world to come to us last as opposed to first. Your America first policy should not just be premised on domestic policy, but global trade policy where everyone has to think about us first. And your policies, if advanced, would make the whole world think about us last. We need to stand with Ukraine. They're an innocent nation invaded by a power-hungry madman from Russia who doesn't want to stop at Ukraine. You may not get that. You may disagree with that. You may misunderstand that, but you need to pay attention to it. You need to get on the right side here. And that's the side of the innocent, peaceful people of Ukraine who were invaded for no reason whatsoever. And if we can stop Russia there, we can stop this Russian-Chinese alliance. If you own a small to medium-sized business that kept employees on payroll through COVID, you may have a big cash refund waiting for you. The employee retention credit is a tax credit of up to $26,000 per employee, and now more businesses than ever qualify. The experts at RefundsPro.com specialize in cutting through the red tape of qualifying for this government program. Most of their refunds are over $100,000. Even businesses that have received PPP funds may be eligible, and there are absolutely no fees unless you receive a refund. There's no reason not to apply. If your business experienced shutdowns, limited capacity, supply chain challenges, or even reduced revenue due to COVID, you likely qualify. RefundsPro.com has already helped hundreds of businesses, so don't lose the refund you're owed by missing the deadline. Get started today with a free five-minute questionnaire at Refunds with an S, RefundsPro.com. That's Refunds with an S, Pro.com. All right, let's hop across the Atlantic for just a moment because I just find this really fascinating, the, the, the histories in, involved. Now, I, I will tell you, I don't actually know if this is true or not, but my grandfather, when I was little, I remember him telling me I was the 16th Eric Erickson in a row. We all have different middle names. I'm not Eric Erickson the 16th. I'm Eric Woods Erickson, uh, my dad, Eric Garwood, my grandfather, Eric Otto, and his father was Eric something. Um, but he told me I was the 16th. And, and when I was in law school, my mom and I went to uh, Sweden to see our family and was telling uh, my cousin this, one of the few memories I had of my grandfather. And he said he was pretty sure it was true um, that he too thought I was like 16th in a row. I'm just fascinated by that. Uh, I'm fascinated by these histories. And and so this is the crazy thing, you know. So Charles III, the new king of England, is co- going to be coronated on May 6th. And there is a family, the de Monks. And their claim to fame is that this family has participated in every single British crown coronation since... Um, William the Conqueror in 1066. On Christmas Day, 1066, it was also Coronation Day, uh, and he was called up to challenge anyone who questioned William the Conqueror's claims to the English throne at the time before it was Great Britain. Uh, 
And this family has literally participated in every single coronation of every single king and queen of England since 1066. And this guy will be the 34th to participate, assuming he's invited. So the family used to have an actual claim to participate. But in the early 1800s, they got rid of the idea of anyone challenging uh, the king's right hand to a joust. Up until the 1800s, that's what you did is you, is you stormed in uh, to uh, the, the Westminster Hall and you said if anyone wants to challenge the king's claim, joust, and you would throw down a glove. Well, the family still has the glove, and it's the glove they've had since 1066, but they stopped doing that. And so now the, the British royal family has just given these people ceremonial roles. The last one held up the British flag at Queen Elizabeth II's coronation. So now you got this. I'm just, I'm fascinated by this. You've got a 1,000-year-old, a, a not a 10,000, a 1,000-year-old unbroken line in one family showing up at all the coronations, doing something. And uh, May 6th, we're not sure if this guy's going to get an invite, but he's written to the British royal family and said, hey, uh, my family, uh, we've actually got this and we would love to participate if you'll let it. I kind of hope they let him do it. Just what a fascinating bit of history there. Greetings. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be on the program, phone lines are open, but you got to wait because I got to talk. I got stuff on Ron DeSantis. Let me review for those of you who are not familiar with the story. Most of you probably are. There is an AP proposed class from the college board. So for those of you who don't know, now, I did not grow up in a place that had AP classes. Uh, my daughter is in a school with several AP classes. And if you take AP classes, colleges, look at this. These are advanced placement classes. You're taking the challenging stuff. Uh, they tend to have very strict guidelines uh, that are uniform across schools. You are not punished if you go to a school that only has two AP classes and someone goes to a school that has five. You've taken the two at your school. They've taken the five at their school. It doesn't work that way for college admission. This is one thing I've learned with a kid who is a few months from having to start thinking about applying to colleges. Uh, you get credited for taking AP classes in your school but it's not a competition between you and someone else. If your school only has two AP classes, they're not going to look at you and say, well, this other kid went to school with five and took all those. They, they don't do that. They just give you credits for you only had two and you took them both. Good for you. Bonus. The college board designs these classes and they go through drafts. The college board has decided to design an African-American studies class. Ron DeSantis is opposed to the African-American studies class because of the sixth core of the class, which is woke studies. The sixth core of the class uh, teaches you queer theory, black feminist viewpoints, the abolitionist movement for prisons, black lives matters, and all the woke rages of the day. And DeSantis says, oh, and also critical race theory which is prohibited from being taught in Florida schools already. So DeSantis has said, no dice. We're not going to do this. We're not letting the wokes take over. Keep in mind, 
This is a draft. It's not the finalized program. DeSantis is drawing a line in the sand. In Georgia, our school systems have said they're going to wait and see. If the final draft has these things in it, they probably will not take it. But right now it's a draft and they're not going to make a decision. DeSantis is in a win-win situation. If they take it out, he looks strong. He gets a win. If they leave it in, he blocks the course. He gets a win with culturally conservative voters. Well, Lori Rosa is a reporter on Florida for the Washington Post. And here is her headline. Backlash grows against DeSantis' decision to block AP African-American Studies class. A backlash. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is facing mounting backlash regarding his administration's decision to prohibit an advanced placement high school course on African-American studies with black leaders rallying in the Capitol, a prominent civil rights lawyer threatening to sue and state lawmakers urging him to reverse the decision. Attorney Ben Krupp. (laughs) Ben Krupp, yes. He accused DeSantis of violating federal and state constitutions by refusing to permit the course. His legal team noted that a federal judge found a 2010 law in Arizona had banned a Mexican-American studies program from Tucson schools unconstitutional, motivated by racial animus. The State Department of Education contends the class is inexplicably contrary to Florida law. A new education law championed by DeSantis requires lessons on race to be taught in an objective manner and not used to indoctrinate or persuade students to a particular point of view. Some education advocates and teachers say the law is so broadly framed, it's having a chilling effect on teaching black history, where they wish to teach black children that they are victims of the man. I added that last part, but you know it's true. If he does not negotiate with the college board to allow AP African American studies to be taught in classrooms across the state of Florida, These three young people will be the lead plaintiffs in a lawsuit, says Crump. Now, the state education department has listed concerns about the program, including intersectionality and activism, black feminist theory, and black feminist legal theory, literary theory, and queer black studies. Now, why, now, who would say it's an important part of black history is queer theory? That's somebody pushing an agenda on the kids. That's what DeSantis says. The college board says the official framework will be released February 1st. Alex Lanfranconi of the Florida Department of Education says he's encouraged to see the college board is willing to amend it to comply with Florida law. Now, here's the funny thing. Pritzker of Illinois, the governor there, says that Illinois is going to reject any curriculum modifications designed to appease Florida. Here's what is devoid and not mention this one. There's no backlash. The Washington Post claims this is a backlash. It's not a backlash. It's a few angry activists in Florida who get attention. That's it. 
That's it. You've got a couple of members of the legislature. You've got Ben Crump, a civil rights lawyer. Uh, You've got J.D. Pritzker, the governor of Illinois. That's about it. There's not exactly a major backlash building against DeSantis for doing this. Remember, the media told you the so-called don't say gay bill, which actually wasn't called that and didn't do that. They they deeply unpopular. Turned out a majority of parents in Florida, including Democratic parents, Republican parents, black parents, Hispanic parents, white parents, they all liked the legislation in Florida, which merely said you can't teach sexuality to first through third graders. Not the time or the place to teach kids about sex and sexuality. That's all the law said. Start in fourth grade, go for it. But until then, not. And they got bent out of shape. They claimed there was a backlash against that. The parents actually liked it overall. Same thing is happening here. Do you really think a majority of black parents in Florida want their kids being taught black queer theory, regardless of whether their kid is gay or straight, regardless of their views on people being gay or straight? Do you think they want black queer studies taught in high school or black feminist literary theory or intersectionality and activism? Do you really think that black parents want their children taught that as opposed to job skills? Do you think that black history cannot be taught without teaching black queer studies? I mean, that, that that's kind of the bottom line here. Can you not tell the story of the African-American experience in America without black feminist literary theory? Hmm? Can, can you not? Can you not tell the history of black people in America without black feminist literary theory and intersectionality and black queer theory? Can you not tell the story of Martin Luther King Jr.? Can you not tell the story of 1619 and the slaves arriving in Virginia? Can you not tell the story of uh, Frederick Douglass, of Booker T. Washington, of Sojourner Truth? Can you not tell those stories without black queer studies? The college board and the left says, no, you cannot. You can't tell those stories. You can't tell the story of the civil rights movement without feminist literary theory from a black perspective. DeSantis says, of course you can, because we were doing it this past year. One of the other things the story leaves out is that for years and years, and you probably aren't aware of this, but for years and years, California is the dominant educational system in the nation because of its population. And for years, the college board bent over backwards to humor California and shape AP courses in the way the California Department of Education wanted. Textbooks across America for years gave California disproportionate proportionate input. And finally, Texas on the textbook front picked its own fight. And now there are textbooks in this country uh, that are uh, Texas dominant or California dominant. Florida's decided to get into this. This is not new. This has been happening for a very long time. You've just never been aware of it. But because it's Ron DeSantis suddenly picking a fight on this, the media is outraged. And I've got to think, you know, when you look at the fights he's picked, the, the legislation for it about teaching kindergartners about sex and sexuality. A majority of people supported him on this. 
I suspect when people find out the AP thinks that you can't tell black history without learning about queer studies, a majority of people are going to support DeSantis on this. When you're picking fights like this against DeSantis, the national media tends to get bit out of shape on this stuff. And actually the parents like that he wants their kids to learn job skills to get a job as opposed to learn how to be a victim thanks to advanced placement classes. I think this is another one where DeSantis is going to win. Now, I want to go to the phones on this. Lisa is calling. Lisa, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. What's going on? Hey, I just wanted to say right quick that the Republican Party, as well as DeSantis, needs to stay in front of this issue. Reason being is just because just like you have a main media you know, with the top stations, you also have a sub-media called black media. The black radio stations such as BET and all these uh, radio personalities, they're pushing that DeSantis is trying to stop black people from learning black history. So although you guys aren't seeing that on the back end, that's what's going on. They are pushing this agenda, and they're not telling the truth or giving good context. To it. So y'all got to stay ahead of this. And DeSantis, as well as the Republican Party, needs to go on Facebook where all the old parents are and run ads or run things saying that that's not the truth. We're protecting your right because we know you as black parents want your kids to learn X, Y, Z and not LGBTQ. So, you know, I would caution against taking a, a lax position on it. It may sound crazy, but there is an agenda and what's being pushed mainstream is not what's being pushed on these black radio stations because I've gotten so many calls from, from uh, cousins and friends. Look at what your party doing. Look at what your party doing. I have to explain it to them. Then it's like, Oh, they didn't say that. Uh huh. So yeah, yeah look, you, there, there's gotta... a, I'm so glad you made that point because there is so much of the media, uh, black dominated media in America and Latino dominated media in America are just, organs of the Democratic Party. They don't want to tell the truth. They want to tell the talking point for the Democrats because they're scared to death of DeSantis because, I mean, DeSantis actually won a significant portion of the black, won a majority of the Hispanic vote. I think he won over a third of the black vote in Florida against Charlie Crist. And yeah, I mean, Lisa, look, I appreciate you so much calling in and and talking about that because y'all don't understand. Maybe you do that there is a uh, black media outlets in this country and Latino media outlets in this country, and they are just instruments of the Democratic Party. And they don't care what the truth is. They care about hurting Republicans. And so DeSantis needs to keep pushing back and just explain to people, we, we, we would love an AP class that honestly teaches black history in America, but this is not doing this. This is teaching uh, black feminist literary theory, queer theory, and intersectionality and critical race theory. That's not teaching you history. That's propaganda. Now, I got to move on, but before I do, I got to tell you about the Eden Pure 3-pack. Uh, the Eden Pure Thunderstorm is an air purifier, and boy, does it wipe out odors. You know, I, I've run it. We just, we've, we, I've got this back portion. It gets this musty, mildewy smell because for years it was not glassed in. We finally got it glassed in, I guess, a year or so ago. And it, it just, it had this smell, and I could plug in the Eden Pure Thunderstorm and wipe out that odor. And it's finally, and I finally figured out where it's coming back. There's a, there's a, 
water getting in. But nonetheless, the Eden Pure Thunderstorm wipes out the odors. Uh, when I travel, it's small. I can hold it in my hand. It's about twice the size of an iPhone. Um, you can plug it in and it wipes out odors. It just eliminates them. You, in a car that someone's been smoking in, wipe out the odors. Hotel room, someone's been smoking in, wipe out odors. Pet odors, you got a litter box, wipes out the odors. Been cooking shrimp in the kitchen and it stinks from the frying or whatever, wipes out the odors. You can get three of them, one for upstairs, one for downstairs, one for your basement or your RV or your travel bag, whichever you need it for, EdenPureDeals.com. The discount code is ERIC3, E-R-I-C-K-3, EdenPureDeals.com. Discount code ERIC3, you get three of them for less than $200 at EdenPureDeals.com. This is the program brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan Nationwide. They want to help your business grow. If you need loans for your business, $750,000 or more, reach out to them, firstlibertyga.com. Spend 10 minutes with them, see if you're fit for them, them for you. If you're buying a building, building a building, buying a franchise, buying out your competitor or your business partner, reach out to them, firstlibertyga.com. Nationwide, they can help. Natural gas shortages have hit China. The They're having a very cold winter. For many people across China, and shortage of natural gas and alarmingly cold temperatures is causing them to freeze at night. Uh, for Ling Yongquang, they don't turn on the heat because after four to six hours, the gas stops again. He's a 45-year-old grocer. He said the gas shortages are taking, uh, impacting their lives. The lack of natural gas, which was used widely across China, has angered tens of millions of people. One person in Weibei province wrote of waking early four nights a week because she was too cold to sleep despite two comforters on her bed. A viral video on China's internet shows a high-rise apartment building in a different northern province, Shangxi, with the windows plastered with bright red posters of the sort often seen at Lunar New Year, except the posters say cold. Already this winter, hundreds of millions of people have caught COVID, says Xi Jinping. China's top leader abandoned his zero-COVID policy in early December. That policy has kept infections low, but required costly precautions. Many towns and cities now lack the money they need even to pay their own employees, much less to maintain supplies for natural gas. The crunch has exposed systemic weaknesses in China's energy regulations and infrastructure while showing the reach of the global market turmoil provoked by Russia's war in Ukraine. Russia had long been a major supplier of natural gas to China. When Russia halted exports to Europe, Nations bid up world prices as they stockpiled supplies elsewhere. A surprisingly warm winter helped Europe, but the bitter cold is happening in China. The Chinese people are freezing. This is causing economic and societal turmoil. And this is a problem for Xi Jinping. He is a dictator and... He has promised stability in China, or yeah, he promised stability in China, and he can't get that stability in China to pay off. This is the third energy crisis in five years. There were cold fire fired boilers across large sections of China where there was a coal shortage. They converted them to gas ones because of the air pollution. Now they've got that problem. They've got other problems with their power and the and the cold weather continues to plummet. Meanwhile, in Europe, they were worried this would happen in Europe, but in Europe, they're having a warm winter. 
Although there are predictions that it may get colder there soon, and in Ukraine the free the fields could freeze, and as the tanks go over the fields and crack the ice and make mud, uh, the Russian soldiers are starting to worry about what's going to happen next month to them. It's just kind of interesting. But in China, the temperatures have become unseasonably cold, colder than normal for China. And this is causing economic instability. All, all these people betting on China. China is a third world country with some shiny parts that make it look modern. And Xi Jinping is being exposed for not actually being the master and commander of China that he claimed to be.